Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Musician's Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Mark, and today I have the distinct pleasure of talking with the one and only Luke Wade. Many of you may have heard of Luke from his time as a top 10 contestant on season 7 of The Voice. He also makes and releases music as Young Tones Music, and he's just a phenomenal singer and phenomenal songwriter. We get into all the nitty-gritty as usual, so I'm going to get straight to that. But please, as usual, do me a favor. If you're getting anything from these episodes, head to any of your favorite streaming platforms and leave us a rating or review. It helps us get discovered easier and helps us achieve our goal of hopefully helping up-and-coming musicians. So that'd be a solid if you could do it for us. Thank you. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only... Luke Wade. Hey Luke, it's Travis. How you doing, man? Doing great. Good. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Truly appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. Um, so we're going to jump straight into it. Um, basically, what I do with everybody, as weird and random as it may seem, is I ask if you would um, give us a bit of an introduction as to who Luke Wade is. Tell us some of the stuff you've done. Tell us what you're currently doing. Tell us just anything that you feel might help our listeners understand a little bit more from where you're coming from during the course of this interview. Well, it's been a long and varied journey within, you know, mu- the music business and also kind of uh, music creation and creativity. So just started out really, uh, so I'm the, I'm the child of a, uh, of an artist, uh, my father's name is Bob Stuth Wade, uh, and you know he's a he's a painter, and so he you know he's kind of my inspiration. So he's he's kind of my blueprint for realizing that you could make you know your passion, your life, creativity, your life, and and make things and support a family with them. So a lot of folks don't have that that kind of role model and mentor in their life, and. And it gave me the courage to kind of fail my way forward and start being mediocre in front of people and getting better. And and uh, so uh, I guess I've been a professional musician for you know twenty years. Uh, just toured regionally in Texas. I uh, was starting to build that up. Got was on The Voice. Was a finalist on The Voice, which was a huge um, you know just kind of a whirlwind. And then used that to to tour nationally with my band and for a number of years got married and so came it came off the road and and since that has happened i i signed a pub deal i've had some cuts and uh some sinks and different things like that with a company called angry mob I was with them for four years and then also uh, and then i and in my other life i work in entertainment so i've been uh i i've I'm a talent producer for the voice so whenever i want to get off the road i've, I've been helping them find talent and uh, I've been with The Voice for uh, for 11 seasons now. And uh, uh, let's see. And then through trying, you know, trying to navigate this landscape, I've become kind of an expert in the digital marketing space. And so I've been doing, I do that freelance. Um, I've worked for a number of different agencies in the, in the digital marketing space. And then now uh, I'm I'm really pushing hard on a new project called Young Tones. Uh, I I spent a lot of time using music as therapy, and now you know, and, and as I've gotten older, I've kind of thought of it more as a place for escape. So finding, uh, you know, just making throwback soul music is just fun and it's just pure joy for me. There's no, uh, there's, it's not as the uh, necessity of catharsis isn't there where it's just about everyone kind of showing up and being in the moment and escaping to just a fun place together. And so that's currently I'm, my focus is on the launch of the second record for, for young times. Nice. And, and I really like that because I find that when you're doing music as a career, there's points where the joy sort of exits now that's not to say it's not fun, but like to come back to something that just makes you feel so happy and in the moment and the fun's there and stuff, that's great. 
Um, we'll talk about the Young Tones in a bit. I've got a couple things uh, that I want to ask you about that. But let's just backtrack here a little bit. So you're originally from Dublin, Texas, I believe, right? Correct. Yes, I'm from Dublin. And from what I was sort of hearing and, and reading, you, you kind of developed a bit of a name for yourself in Fort Worth. And, and obviously, you landed up on The Voice and stuff, which we'll talk about as well. Um, from what I understand, you're now in L.A., and you might have already answered the question, um, you know, with your personal life, getting married, stuff like that. But talk us through how you ended up in L.A. Was that purely from being on The Voice and you just felt you needed to be in more of that sort of hub? Or was that sort of a plan all along to end up there? Well, you know, once uh, after the, you know, I spent a good amount of time here when I was on The Voice. So I essentially lived here for three months. It's a long, it's a long process. Um, and, you know, kind of get a feel for the city, but ultimately I, I had this sense that Fort Worth had a bit of a glass ceiling. It, it was taking, it was, it felt like moving out of mom and dad's house where Fort Worth had taken care of me. Um, they, you know, it had, like if I had a show, people would show up and, and had allowed me to you know, have a living in music and, and feel like a celebrity in my, in my town, essentially. But I, it did, it felt like it was time to move out of mom and dad's house and kind of make, make it on my own. Um, and if you're doing that, there, there's a few options. If you want to stay in the U S you know, you've got at one point it was New York, national and LA. And then it, um, you know, New York, kind of got too expensive and chased all the musicians out and then it became LA and Nashville. So that was kind of my choice was Nashville and LA. And then the, it, when you're betting on yourself, I think the belief has to be that whoever the, the best people are, wherever you go, those will become your peers. That's the, that's kind of the mindset. Like, and I was thinking about who, like what I, you know, the, the best of the best in LA versus the best of the best in, in Nashville, who, who would I want my peers to be? And I thought, well, I think, I think it's LA and it turned out, you know, it turned out to be the right choice within four months of moving to LA. I had my, you know, I got my first pub deal and, and, um, you know, which was kind of the, the foundation of, of, you know, building that, that secondary music career. That's awesome, man. Well done. Let's talk a little bit about The Voice. And I mean, I'm sure you've spoken about this numerous times over the, the last decade or so. But tell us about your experience with the show as a contestant. So I'm not talking about you as a talent buyer now. Um, you know, tell us about some of the ups and downs. Discuss a few things that maybe you feel singers who want to go on the show and compete might want to know or consider before doing so and you know just your overall experience good and bad if you don't mind share it with us yeah it was really from you know now having seen what the experience is like for lots of people working on the show i can say that my experience was it was a bit of a cinderella story where i was the one that they teased the season with like the, all the coaches were on Ellen and they showed my, my audition and all the chairs turned and all the executive producers were, were like, this is the guy he's going to win the show. He's going to, you know, this is, he's going to be someone that's going to like be successful after the show. There was, there was a lot of, um, a lot of buy-in within the, the staff and the production and the show. And I, and I didn't, I didn't know it or feel it until they started promoting it. And I was on commercials and all those kinds of things. And so that it's, that's not the, you know, out of the 150 people that are lined up to do blind auditions each, each season, that's the experience of maybe like one person, maybe. And sometimes a season doesn't even have someone that, that gets that experience. So mine was really unique and, and really gave me a lot of confidence and pumped me up. And, and I had been really, I'd, I'd been on the road playing. I was probably doing, I don't know, 20 hours of live performing per week 
like literally not not including driving, not like just actually sitting there playing songs for other humans 20 hours a week. Cause I was doing, you know, Thursday, it's interesting being in Texas. And if you want to have a band, what ultimately happens is that the best players, they have church gigs and that's how they make their money. So you got to get them home by like 8am on Sunday morning. And so it was every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we would do a run drive to the night Saturday night get everyone get all the musicians home to be sleepy as hell at church and and then the other day Sunday and so I, I had, had a residency on Sunday and then on Tuesday and Wednesday as well so it was just you know so much music but anyway top of my game uh was able to kind of s- spike the ball in the end zone and 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 yeah so it just it was really just a fun ride uh, just filled myself and, and you know, the people around me and the people that knew me before full of confidence that I was going to do something. So it was, re- I mean, honestly, I, it, it couldn't have, it couldn't have been better that there was the, the moment that the, the band made a pretty big mistake, um, while I was on stage. And the and NBC made a commercial out of it because I was the front runner. They called it the moment that shocked America, hmm. and it was a whole it was a whole thing, man. Um, and that was kind of what what threw the derailed things and and uh, ended up you know exiting the show, you know, a couple like the episode before the before the end. So yeah, that was kind of uh, the obviously that changed things a bit uh, in terms of the experience, but it also, it endeared me to the, to the folks on the show because the, the, they asked me what happened. I had an opportunity to say, you know, the band messed up and I held myself accountable for, uh, for, for what happened as well. And, and so the band, whenever I see them, they still remember me and give me hugs and, and, you know, tell me, you know, that, you know, I guess just give me props for, for, standing up to the moment and, and holding myself accountable. Yeah. So what happened? I mean, did they, did they just play a song so, in the wrong key or was somebody out of time? What, so what, what they, was happening? they were, I think that they were really getting burned out uh, at this point. It was season seven, two, two seasons a year. And they didn't have like the guitar player had opted to not have me in his ears. Or maybe it just, maybe it was like an accident, but I wasn't in, in the guitar player's ears. And so the recording that I had to practice to, the count in was one, two, one, two, three. No, no. So the count in on the recording, I was one, two, three, four, song start. And I start the song by myself, just a guitar and vocal. And then live, the drummer went one, two, one and then and so there's an extra Extra measure of canon but i but i'm in the adrenaline of the moment i hear one and then i just count two three four just like the recording i practiced two thousand times and then came in and so what ended up happening was the guitar player came in uh because i came in a measure early the guitar player was playing chords a measure off from whatever what i was playing and singing And then, but what, and, and so we ended up doing this thing where I'm like, I, I, I assume that we're probably playing with tracks. So I need to, I need to switch what I'm doing to the guitar player. And so I'm do so after the first times and changes, I, I pull a measure out and go back and then, then line up with the guitar but then the band moves to where I was and then we do that a couple of times where I'm switching to them. They're switching to me. And then eventually the, the drummer does a, the fill that indicates the chorus is coming. And then we all, they, we all get on like on the same page in that moment. But it was just, you know, this was the peak of the show. We're talking about, you know, 14 million people, viewers per episode, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was pretty intense, man. It was pretty crazy, and and uh, it really it was in, like I guess my kind of seasoning the fact that I had 
I was a kind of an experienced performer and had the ability to kind of course correct bit me in the ass a little bit because they they you know they were kind of moving to me and well whatever and so I was super bummed out I honestly they, you know I'm not a psych psychologist to diagnose myself but I, I think I ha- got some PTSD from it because I would after that I would just have just so much anxiety before I went on and it would make my my mind just I it would take me out of that that zone. And so, I'm not sure if you experience this, but if you think about the, the words of the song or the chords of the song, you're dead. Like if you're in your head and you're not just feeling the music and oh, yeah. experiencing the music, if you're doing it, you're trying to do it like it's a math problem. I mean, it's it's just it just doesn't. You can't feel it. Just it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So that's kind of what I what happened to me where that's where I went after that. I just was shell shocked and never really got back to where, to where I was before. What a bummer, man. I was, I was going to ask you what you thought the hardest part of being on the show was, but I think you've kind of answered that. That, that sounds horrible. I'm sorry that that happened. Do you, did you find that in that situation? And I'm asking more out of personal interest rather than an interview question here, but do you find that in that situation? And and I'm 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 genuinely asking, not from a ignorance point of view. Do the band respect some of the contestants in a musician point of view? Because I mean, those are all like the top session players. So do they kind of like just expect that everybody's just a singer? And you know, stereotyping would be, well, they're just a singer. They're not going to know the difference between a measure or a couple bars, or we'll we'll fix it for them. Or or do you think? Do you think that like they could, I mean, talking out of turn here, because, you know, I, I have interviewed Nate in the past, the drummer, but, um, oh, wow, very cool. Yeah. Not for this podcast, for a different publication. Um, but, but, you know, so I'm not trying to sort of sound Nate like, is, being, I mean, by the way, Nate, Nate Morton is, is like, oh, he's the man, just the heart. Yeah. He's so good, but he's also just so sweet and and humble but um the answer to your question is that most of the folks that are on the show are as green as you could possibly imagine they really they've never a lot of those people the first time they they are singing in front of humans is on that stage wow so it's it's um you know you think about it at this at this point you're you know was it 48 people make teams per season? We're on episode, um, we're on season like 24 or something. So we're talking about a thousand people that have made teams, you know, and you're talking about, uh, you know, 2000 that have auditioned. Yeah. So it's uh, on that blind audition stage. So it's just, it's hard to find that many people that, that have that kind of, that the pedigree to know what's going on. So to, in their defense, they, they don't know. They assume you don't know anything. But by you know the end of the show, actually the um, the music of director. He's still a music director. His name he used to be the keyboard player for White Snake. Oh gosh, what is his name? It's uh, oh man, I can't. I'll think of it in a second. I'm That's actually okay. gonna look it up. Um, but he actually he had me come to his house and work on the arrangements for the songs after that. Like literally came to my went to his house, made me cappuccino, hung out with his family. Um, and uh, so once once you get a level of respect, then it changes everything and they yeah. listen to you. But but they, there's an assumption that you don't know anything. Um, Paul Merkovich. Okay. That's his name. Paul Merkovich. Yeah, so they think that because they're usually right. But you can it you can earn the respect is the answer to your question, and they're all lovely humans. Um, and it's interesting the way that that whole circumstance works. I'm not sure if you're interested in this, but um, I you know within the music department they have guys that that um, their job is to create charts from the arrangements that the band does. So they'll have a rehearsal, and then they'll learn that they'll like create an arrangement for 
the contestant and then they then they'll forget it they just clean slate and then they after they arrange it then they read the charts that the music department makes for them hmm. so it's pretty it's pretty interesting yeah yeah interesting process you know no i was just wondering you know because i mean like I, I know you know gigging a lot as a musician myself and and stuff like that i know that sometimes the the stigma is you know ah uh, it's just a singer and you kind of go like not everybody's just a singer and there's nothing wrong being just a singer anyway but but like it's always it always had me wondering when when i watch those kinds of shows like i wonder if they just assume because you're there singing if if that's your only musical knowledge it's it's an interesting concept nonetheless let's move on yeah Let's talk about <laughs> let's sure. talk about the the young tones. I mean, I saw that you're basically the face of it live and stuff like that. But I know that there's another guy involved. So, tell me a little bit about who's involved now, um, what you currently doing within the group, and and how's it all going. I know you mentioned that you you're working on a new record at the top of the interview, but talk to us about the young tones. So, young tones is I dove into that. Um, in terms of just starting to release material like April, 2021 is when that launched. But the Matt young, my partner on the project and I, we wrote our first song in 2017. We met at South by Southwest. We, I, I was doing, I was writing hooks for a music library called Indaba that was eventually purchased by uh, splice. But we, and so basically my job was to come in and then we would just go through different tracks that had already been created. And then I would just write hook as many hooks as I could in an hour. And then, but we ended up doing is we ended up writing this like throwback soul team, um, that probably exists somewhere that you could, you could take any part of it and turn it into a hip hop song or, or like write your own verses to it, whatever, you know, whatever the circumstance may be. So that, that lives somewhere. But it just, it, the vibe was so good that we're like, we got to keep this going. And we happen to both be on the same publisher as well. Cool. So comes to LA, we've got like two hours. We end up knocking a song out in like 45 minutes. And then we realized that we just had this crazy chemistry. Sometimes when we get together, we'll write, write and then produce demos for, we've done four songs in a day. Like not just written, but also, you know, partially, like mostly produced. So it, it's a, it was a really cool partnership. And then the, we're going to release it in 2020 pandemic hit. And then eventually was able to get it out in 2021. And then, um, yeah. So did the rollout over the course of about a year and a half, like a little over a year before the record that this is, yeah, right at a year that the album rollout took place. And then, uh, we were able to, we went to the studio. We did, you know, one of my dreams is it was to do a record to tape um do things the old school way and so we're able to do that and we're able to get some you know some of my musical heroes why not jansfeld who's a member of uh the wallflowers and and has been playing with matchbox 20 um has been on some of my favorite records rob humphreys who played you know he's scary pockets uh casey musgraves has also been on some of my favorite records will grambling uh and then uh luke o'malley who's uh uh, guitar player for the roots was was on the session so it's just like just so much fun to to make a record with those dudes and then and then matt uh i, I essentially just sang on it i didn't i ended up overdubbing some guitars and matt the producer overdubbed you know some some background vocals and, and some things here and there but mostly it was entirely done live by that by that band but uh it's the record's completely done we're going to start releasing singles in january um, we've got some B-sides and some like some things, some songs we did in the box that were released before that. We ramping up to it, Christmas song. But yeah, it's just so that rollout is going to take you know, uh, gosh, I think it's like nine, it's like a nine-month rollout for that. But really excited about it, and we're going to do a lot more live shows this time, and and uh, and you know, hopefully, you know, my, my honestly, my dream would be to just to have enough fans for that project that we can just pick a collection of cities that we want to go to and hit them and sell enough tickets to, to, you know, 
make make a little bit of money you know yeah. that's that's ultimately the dream that's awesome i mean it's it's achievable you know nowadays it's it's hard as you would know by now but you know, I think it is achievable. They, they, these, all these articles are always coming out saying that if you can just get one thousand legitimate fans, that you can like have a career as an original artist. Which, you know, it doesn't sound realistic, but you, you definitely see. I don't necessarily enjoy the term influencer, but you definitely see some inverted commas influencers who don't have hundreds of thousands or even millions of fans and they they turn in over enough to create salaries and live you know so that's awesome man i wish you nothing but the best i hope it goes well i mean having those kinds of names on the record in the first place is is killer absolutely amazing what's your process are you gonna are you gonna release like purely singles to try and hit those algorithms on things like spotify or are you gonna have a, a certain amount of singles before you potentially put the whole album out so I really, um, I, you know, I, tr- I started dipping my toe in, in the more traditional style of release. And it's still very, you know, surprisingly in terms of the industry at large and the, and the expectations there for having a music video and having, you know, a publicist and, and all these different things, it's still very much there. Um, Cause it, it's, you know, whenever you're just trying to launch a project, like it at Young Tones, it's the obvious thing to do is play the algorithm algorithm game where you're just posting on social and you're releasing singles once a month. Um, so I toyed with the idea of, you know, we've got more budget for this record. So like getting a, a big deal publicist and doing a radio promoter and, and a number of different things. Um, but ultimately decided not to just because they all it's they all want to know it's like the the publicist wants to know who your management is and and i and i you know i'm self-managed um and the radio promoter wants to know you know they they all they they basically everyone wants a name attached whether it's a label or a management company just for the sake of accountability it's like it's it's like applying for a bank loan where <laughs> exactly. it's like they want to they want to look and see you know what what kind of you know a capital or like what incentives you have to hold up your your end of the of the deal so i found that to be a really fascinating unpacking of of how little things have changed even though everything is completely different so it just, again, I, I think I'm just going to, we're going to do sing, like a ton of singles. So including the singles releasing before the record comes out, I guess it will be 12 singles and then the record. That's cool. Um, yeah. Just to, to, you know, warm up the algorithm, try to make the computers happy and ultimately kind of get the, uh, get the numbers to a place and, and I'm open if, if a record label is to come in uh, after um, you know if things start doing really well moving to a record label and, and doing a more traditional style release for you know the remaining singles and, and the record I would be open to that yeah um, but you know we'll just we'll have to see how that goes so let's um segue slightly off here um, just because you 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 made an interesting phrase like make the computers happy, and I know that everybody's talking about it, but what are your thoughts on the whole AR movement and how do you personally think it's going to affect music or in in particular songwriters, if at all? Mm. Um, I it's I, it will definitely change the landscape to some degree. I, I don't think. Um, you're still going to have stars. You're going to have these big artists that break through and and have these massive fan bases because of just the connection that they make with people. Um, I, I think that ultimately what music has become, it's based on you know whether people whether you're able to make an impact on on social media, 
with your or with your image. And I don't think that that's going to change. Um, the combination of your vision and and your your music. I think that's going to change. In terms of like, I think it's going to affect sync um, because I think that you know for bed music and different things, um, you know, especially with the challenges of the entertainment industry where they, you know, budgets are shrinking for, for shows. And, and I think that they'll use generative AI music for a lot of stuff there. So I think, I think that that will be affected. Um, so, you know, which, which is a, a fairly small swath of that, um, of the of the industry and that part of the industry in particular. So I think that that's where the impact will be with their music. The, I mean, the other impact is I think that there'll be, it's going to put a lot of folks out of work that will have, then have no choice, but to chase their own dreams. Yeah. And it will, you know, there'll be even more people trying to play the music game in a, in a market that's already, you know, so, so inundated with, with folks. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was very interesting because, I mean, I think I agree with pretty much every point you, you've made. Um, and I'm obviously I'm watching a lot of this, this strike with the actors and the writers and stuff like that. And I saw a very interesting um, post yesterday uh, by a, a really prominent guitarist. Um, and he said, like, he was, he was referring it back to music and, and just saying that, like, it's interesting that, you know, the actors and, and everybody could stand together and, and they're trying to change this before it gets too much of an impact on their careers. Whereas like musicians, when streaming and stuff hit, were basically just told to adapt how they worked. And I mean, streaming, you know, it's it's a it's a bit of a, a bittersweet pill because as an artist, and again, you would know, um, you need it. You, you've got to have your music on those platforms because your chances of reaching somebody in the most remote, random place that you could imagine suddenly are now possible. But with that, you're also, the value of music just seems to be so much less than I remember it being as a kid, you know, and obviously you can't, you know, hop on the past, things change, you have to move with those changes. But it is interesting because it's like, you know, I was having a conversation with some some teenagers the other day and out of interest, because they're, they're music lovers. And so out of interest, I was like, hey, man, like, you know, what's your like number one go to album? And I'm not lying to you, out of about four people that I was talking with, none of them had ever listened to an album from start to finish. So that shocked me. And then I was like, okay, well, I mean, what was the last album you bought? And keep in mind, most of these people were aged between sort of 16 and 20. Not one of them had ever bought an album. And that blew my mind, you know. But also, that being said, I understand. If you've grown up in that environment and you've never had to purchase an album, you know, why would you? It's all free. You can you can get it pretty much for free anywhere you want. And if you don't want to pay for a subscription, well, you can get it free with ads. So it's it's very interesting. Nonetheless, so again, talking to you and, and having done my research, you seem rather DIY. You know, I know you've had the exposure from the voice and, and obviously you've had the sinks and the cuts and stuff that you mentioned earlier. But talk us through some of the skills that you feel musicians or songwriters or producers, anybody in this sort of landscape should try and sort of get or acquire in order to try and carve out their own path in today's version of the music industry? So I'm going to separate this into two parts. I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you some of the skills that I've acquired and some things that I found helpful. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you why at the end of the day that I don't know how much it matters. Um, and I'll tell and I'll tell you why. Okay. So, um, you know, just basically knowing how to communicate with people that are more talented than you um, and being able to communicate your vision with those people, I would say that's the, the most important skill. So 
figuring out how to put a band together, how to motivate that band to continue to play with you and how to make that experience enjoyable, how to package your, you know, like putting together a vision board for the aesthetic for a project or an album to communicate with a, with a designer, um, being able to just talk to other people. Right. Uh, but at the same time, that's, that all, all those people, you need to take care of them, but that costs money and you may not have money. So learning how to do design, you know, web development and even digital marketing to the best of your ability, how to video editing, it's really, you got to wear so many hats to be fully DIY. Just know how to essentially be your own media company and your own production company. So those are things that obviously as, as much of that as you can do in-house, the, the better off you are in terms of your ability to have control of your own destiny. But being 40 years old, I turned 40 this year, and having seen the way that things shake out over time, the people that I know that are the most successful, um, you know, Leon Bridges, my friend, Matt McAndrew, uh, my friend, Jordy Searcy, um, who else would I put in this category? Uh, anyway, like I, I've, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of really amazing people that have had the opportunity that have done big things. So, and the thing that they all have in common is that they they have they're going to create and they don't have expectations for their creation. So all the things I talked about, digital marketing, design, you know, whatever, they're all based around getting to a level that aligns with your expectation for what you create, how many people are going to see it, how much money is it going to make, what is it going to do for your life, that, you know, the folks I mentioned, they would just, if people didn't like the stuff that they made, they would literally just live in it, they would just be homeless or live in their car, like they just were going to be exactly who they are, do exactly what they do, regardless of, of what happened. And that's just who they are. And to me, that is honestly, and and I'm not sure if that's something you can become. I think you're that person or you're not that person. Like you are that person or you aren't that person. Um, but that that's the most, that's really the most important thing is like, you got to let go of the idea, like of what it's supposed to do for you and just do it. And don't ever stop doing it and, and just follow where it leads you. And you'll, I mean, that's how you, that's how you become very successful in music as an artist. Um, and it's easy once you, you kind of, you start developing these skills to find yourself in point, at least from my experiences that I end up in these places that are adjacent to where I want to be. You know, what I really want to be is I, I want to be an artist. I want to be on tour. I want to be, you know, writing cuts that people care about. I want that, like, want to make something that, that inspires people and that people care about. And, and what, it, what I end up doing is I'll, people will be like, will you do your digital marketing for me? Will you do casting for The Voice? And I say, you know, I have these expectations for my life that I, you know, I want to, I want to have a certain quality of life. And so I take those gigs and don't create as much as I could. And don't do as much touring as I could. Don't write as many songs as I could. Don't produce as much as I could. And, you know, I, I think that it, it's, it's the challenge is to, is to find that line between your motivation and your expectation. I like that. And, and also very relatable, you know. Um, I just find that it's, it's interesting the, the the wearing many hats situation. I have this discussion fairly often. And it is, you know, you almost need to learn these skills so that you can put out your vision how you want to have it put out, or you need to pay for it. And, you know, the way I've seen it in my years is 
if you're giving out money to everybody, which, listen, I'm not saying don't pay people for their skills. Pay people for their skills if you can afford it. But if you're giving out money to everybody, at the end of the day, there's no money left. And it's like, I'm not trying to make it all about money. This is art. But the line between, you know, money and art is so tricky because if you have it in your blood that you're trying to be an artist, but you have to live, that's really a tough line to to navigate. And so these people that you mentioned who who sort of say, stay so true to themselves, it's super admirable because it's like, I think... And and this is just my two cents on the matter. I think that, you know, if you're doing something that you really believe in, the right people will find that. Now, does that mean you'll be a superstar? I don't know. But the people who can relate will relate eventually. Might not be at the time that you hope them to, but I mean, how many people have unfortunately passed away and then suddenly the world realizes that they had some sense of genius? And it's like, you know, I'm I'm not saying that that's what it needs to be, but maybe if you do accept it, like you're saying, you kind of live a more peaceful life without thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this. And it just becomes about the arts and maybe that's enough to fulfill you, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think, uh, I mean, it's easy for me to, to, to point to these examples and say that that's what everyone should do. But at the end of the day, you either have to have time or, you know, to, to create, um, and to be places and to, you either have to have time or you have to have money. One of those two things. Um, if you don't have time, any time or any money, then you, there's, you're really kind of stuck. Yeah. So if, if you're, if you're in the grind where you're, um, you almost have to be like a vagrant or be on disability or be on unemployment or, you know, to like, or have the support of people around you, um, to, to really, you know, to have the, the time to, if you're someone that's just, that's, yeah, you're working at, at Burger King and you're, you're making 50, you know, I don't know, $12 an hour, $15 an hour, depending $20 an hour. To, and you're just, you're just trying to, to pay for your spot and have no extra dollars and no time. Like that's just, a, that's a tough place to grow from. So anyone who's in that situation, like I, I really, um, you know, I, I know I feel you like I, you know, and I think we've all been there where I, before I was, I went full-time music. I was a bartender. And, uh, it was, you know, it was really, uh, it's tough. Yeah. You sound like quite a creative guy, you know? So it sounds to me, you know, when, when you have that creative DNA and you have this need to want to create all the time, and then you suddenly have to tie those hours down to somebody else's time, feels very restricting, almost in, in prisoning, you know? Um, when it's 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 very challenging to at least for me, there's always resistance in moving from the analytical side of my brain to the creative side. So if I think that people think of themselves as being one or the other, I just think that sh- that moving between those two skill sets, it's to me, it's it's legitimately painful. So I I'm not someone that can all right i'm going to go and do all this stuff for the voice and do all this digital marketing for what for five hours and then i'm going to produce for five hours it's just my brain doesn't work that way it's 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 momentum based where i get a momentum towards a certain kind of process and putting the brakes on and you know switching cars and and getting going again it's it's a it's it's really tough yeah Hey, Luke, talk to us a couple minutes about your songwriting process. Um, if, if you have a particular process, you know, what's, what, what does it take to get you inspired or creative? You know, you just mentioned momentum. Do you have to be in the mindset to write or are you one of these people who can just write whenever? Um, and likewise, have you got any tips or even if you want to call them tricks that up and coming songwriters might 
be able to adapt to improve their own craft? Yeah, I mean, I think step one is kind of finding your your voice. Um, so it's, I, I think, just starting out by being really unfiltered. Uh, at least that's how it was for me, where it, it was just unbridled self-expression. And, and I was just kind of, you know, the structure and the production, it's kind of like putting a painting, putting a, a frame on an abstract painting. And, which is cool, but at the same time, it, it doesn't necessarily, sometimes because it's all coming out of you, it can feel really, it can feel cohesive, but sometimes it can feel chaotic. So, you know, taking over time, finding out which things make sense together and which things don't, that's whenever you really start to to hone on your artistry. So at, at this point, you know, if I want to make sure I get a song, uh, writing the melody first uh so having you know having the a loop or some kind of track or just chords on a guitar and then writing like writing a, a a mumble melody that that feels interesting that pulls me in and then allowing that to inform the lyric that seems to be the the most foolproof way to do it. I still just have these moments where something will hit me and it's like, Oh, that this is a great idea. And I just, and I, and I roll with it from there. But yeah. So, I mean, it's always write down, you know, have a, a list of hooks and ideas and, and things to where it's like, I bet I have something for this melody and you can go on and be like, Oh, that's this idea that I had three weeks ago. I think, I mean, those are all important parts of it, but it, at the end of the day, it's, um, you know, it's, uh, creativity is a, is a reflection of what's going on in your head and your heart. And I, I'm not sure what that looks like for everyone else, but for me, that's pretty messy business. My, my head, there's always a lot of things bouncing around in my head and there's always a lot of things, you know, in and on my heart. So sorting through those things and making sense of them is, is a, is often a pretty chaotic process. Yeah. But that's probably where your art comes from, you know? Yeah. Luke, second last question. Where can people find you if they want to check out more of your music or just find out more about you or even work with you? Um, so, you know, social, um, young term music is a social for, um, all of the, the young tone stuff, youngtonesmusic.com. Loopwave music is for all my solo stuff. Um, and I don't really advertise the digital marketing services. Um, I mean, if you, if you really want to take, take a deep dive into my process, um, my partner Matt and I have a, have a class on um, project building, uh, production, and release policing um for through young it's on uh studio.com so like ryan tedder has a course there her charlie pooth and they they asked us to do a a class on throwback production so you can you can check that um you know if you get that class i think it's it's like 12 hours long of of just everything from songwriting to production to you know some basic digital marketing techniques and branding and all kinds of stuff. That's awesome. All right. We're going to finish with uh, a a heavy hitter. I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, but this always seems to make people gasp. Um, So if it makes you gasp and you need a couple seconds, by all means, take your time. But what do you feel has been the best piece of advice you've ever received in relation to your music career? The best piece of advice I've ever received. Um, so I'll name drop here. Uh, so Pharrell um, said to me, "It's it's uh, you can't read the label from inside the bottle," um, and. And what that and I, I thought that was really 
insightful. Um, and basically what that, as advice, what that means to me is that sometimes you have to admit to yourself that you're not the best judge of what you're doing. So you've got to surround yourself with people that, that you trust to be honest with you. Um, I see it, you know, working for the voice and, and hearing thousands of singers, most people are lying to you that tell you that you're good. Find the people that are giving, that have that care about you and your art and the future of your, of your creative life. They care about it enough to really give you their unfiltered opinion. Find those people, hold them close to you. Don't shut them. Like, don't think the people are being mean. Cherish those people that are being honest with you because you, we just don't have the ability to, to, you know, to, to see what the label should be on our bottle. That's great. And actually really fresh, you know, uh, no one's said anything uh, like that before. So that's really cool. All right, man, Luke Wade, dude, thank you so very much for your time and your insight and just, you know, for, for being willing to share some of your experience with us. Um, I'm sure the listeners are going to get tons out of this. I know I did. I will link all of your um, relative information in the show notes. But, dude, I wish you nothing but the best, and I can't thank you enough. Of course, my pleasure. All right, bye. Awesome. I'd like to thank Luke for his time. As usual, I would like to thank each and every one of you for your time. Thank you for listening. Truly, I appreciate it. Um, I know I don't always get to say it. Um, I don't even know how many people listen to the outros of these things, but I appreciate you, and um, I'm just grateful that uh, we're still able to do this. I know I said it at the start. Please leave us a rating or review. Please share us with your friends who you feel might get something from this. My name is Travis Mark. You can find out more about me at travismark.com. You can find out more about The Musician's Mentor at themusicians-mentor.com. You keep following your dreams, man. Push, work hard. Anything is achievable. I'll see you next time. Peace.